Welcome to the Pelvic Health Podcast. I'm your host, Lori Forner, a physiotherapist working in pelvic health, as well as a new student researcher on the fun, long road to a PhD, where we will be looking at pelvic floor problems and exercise. I'm here to bring you information from leading professionals on all aspects surrounding pelvic health for any gender and any age, from the vast range of pelvic floor problems to exercise and sport. Remember our disclaimer, materials and content in this podcast are intended as general information only and should not be substituted for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Hi everybody, welcome back to the podcast. I hope you are enjoying everything. Today we're talking about pregnancy and postpartum exercise. Paula Hindle is with me today. She's a physiotherapist from Brisbane who also has a degree in exercise physiology. She has her own private practice called Yummy Mummy Physio that she set up in 2004, specializing in obstetrics, gynecology, and pregnancy and postnatal exercise. She is also running functional fitness exercise programs out of a fitness facility um, in Brisbane and has some online programs. Now I'll put the links to all of that in the show notes but I thought Paula would be great to speak with on this topic because not only is she seeing women during pregnancy and postpartum and working on their rehabilitation but she's also working with them in the gym. So I find often as physiotherapists We will help them get to a certain point and then hand them over. And the great thing with how Paula has set up her business and what she is doing is she actually gets to have that follow through. So her knowledge in that area I find is absolutely excellent. So I hope you guys enjoy today's episode. I also wanted to shout out to some of the patrons that have supported the podcast recently. We have Lynn Assad, Tori Tugood, and April Wheeler. Again, thank you to everyone that has been supporting the podcast. I hope you are enjoying some of the patron-only episodes that I've put out there. If you want to support the podcast, you can head over to Podbean, which is where um, these episodes are hosted. And if you become a patron for $1 or $2 a month, you can have access to some patron-only episodes. And I plan to put some more of those out as well. Um, As with anything new, there's always glitches and hiccups. Podbean is an American company. So the $1 and $2 per month is actually one or two US dollars. It won't actually let me change that on the website. So again, just some of these little hiccups. If you have any big problems, please contact me and let me know. Um, But yeah, enjoy the episode today. Okay, well, thanks, Paula, for coming on the podcast. It's about time. I have been, well, we've been trying to organize this for a really long time. Um, And like we said before, I hit record that we are both in Brisbane. It's just we're on the other side of the river. And even though it's probably only a 15, 20 minute drive, it just, it's too hard to coordinate things. So we're on Skype. Yay. Yay. So I am really excited because like I'll have said in the bio that your background in women's health as a clinician has been, you've got quite a lot of experience, but you've also have the experience in um, teaching fitness classes and doing the exercise. Um, Did you do exercise physiology beforehand? Were you a personal trainer beforehand? Uh, Yeah, I did an exercise physiology degree at the University of Queensland and I've 
only worked for a few years as an exercise physiologist and then went and did the master's in physiotherapy. So, But I've always been in the fitness industry, you know, sporting background as a kid and played a lot of sports. So that's what sort of took me in this direction. Yeah, and this is where I find the very big gap is with women's health is that we look at the issues that people can have with pelvic floor, we try to rehab them, but then there's the fitness world where they're doing maybe a lot more strenuous or intense exercise and there's kind of a middle ground that people are unsure of, which I feel, um, at least talking to you and watching what you do, that you have really combined them together really well, which I don't see either a lot of physios doing or exercise physiologists or personal trainers. There's still that gap. So that's why I was really excited to have you come on. Yeah, and I love filling that gap. It's funny, when I did physio, of course, like everyone, we think we're going to do sports physio and, you know, that sort of thing. But I was placed in women's health as one of my electives and I just loved it. And being able to incorporate pregnancy exercise classes and mum and bub classes as a new grad and as a physio student, I just thought, oh, this is what I want to do. I can combine my physio and my exercise background and exercise physiology and just fill that gap. So it's always been a passion of mine. I find it hard too, though, like with women's health, especially when you get into it, there's so many areas and there's so much to learn and understand. And even the more years that I'm learning and understand, you're just like, wow, there's still so much that I don't know, or I've forgotten what I learned at the beginning. So then trying to, I sometimes have problem with remembering my exercise background and trying to tie it all in together. And I'm like, oh my God, my brain is just really full sometimes. Absolutely. It just takes you down a rabbit hole, doesn't it? The more you learn, the more you realize there's more you need to learn. And then you think I need to do psychology and now I need to do a dietetics degree. And, you know, you just (laughs) can't do everything. You you? can't. But so today I wanted to talk about pregnancy and postnatal exercise. And we talked that, you know, pregnancy exercise there's not there's not a lot of detail that we really need to go into it because you know we talked off air that it's sort some somewhat basic people you know physios and health professionals kind of understand the um, concepts behind it in that we don't need to be as restrictive as people once thought we needed to be but I still see physios or other health professionals unsure of whether or not more so the exercises that women can do. There's still the, you shouldn't do this, you should stay away from this, or even doctors feel that, oh, you shouldn't be doing any weightlifting in pregnancy. So if we lead in with the pregnancy exercise, are there, other than the contraindications for people, for women who are pregnant who have very specific issues that are discussed with their doctor that they shouldn't be doing any strenuous or physical activity, if somebody is healthy and they're pregnant, are there any exercises in any trimesters that people should be steering away from? Yeah, well, I first of all like to really let my patients know that they're they're strong and it's it's not a safety issue. I want them to feel empowered as pregnant women because it's not an illness. You know, their body is able to adapt to all the changes that are that are going to happen. So, um, you know, according to the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, the absolute no's are the obvious things like scuba diving and, um, you know, the hot yogas and things, um, hot Pilates. Um, you know, they talk about things like boxing and martial arts. But again, that's more if you're actually fighting, you know, holding focus mitts and doing some boxing is totally fine. Um, and then things that have got more of a risk like, 
downhill skiing and things where there's a risk of falling. But other than that, particularly women that are they've been exercising for years, there's no real need to be holding them back. I think um, the most important thing I find with my patients is I just want them to be mindful about how they're feeling. So even a high-level athlete or someone that's trained for a long time, we don't know what kind of pregnancy they're going to have. They might be overcome with fatigue or with nausea, um, you know, all sorts of things. And we're also trying to juggle our daily life with work and relationships and you might already have kids at home. So I think part of it's managing expectations with pregnant women too. I think a lot of us as women think we're super women and we should be able to do everything and I'm going to keep training, I'm going to keep going to the gym four times a week. So I like to manage expectations, um, get them to be mindful about how they're feeling and that might vary each day you know not even with trimesters it might be you know second trimester technically we generally feel a little bit better but you're still going to have days where you wake up and you're exhausted and I'm often saying to my pregnant women you know you're growing a human right like just listen to your body if you're feeling tired skip training today or choose a restorative exercise instead of going for a um, you know a ride on the bike or a, or a run or a walk it might be something like just some breathing exercises or some yoga so I think they're the most important things in terms of pregnancy what about so you just mentioned running so what are your thoughts around pregnant women running or skipping because that's a question that is often asked a lot and there is that um, divide between do not do it at all as soon as you find out you're pregnant or totally go for it double under until you have your baby so where do you sit in that yeah it's a tough question isn't it and, and my annoying response to anyone is it just depends of course yes <laughs> and especially the trainers I work with they say well I hate when you say it depends but it just does it really depends and then there's some exercises where I think um you know you can but should you mm, yeah it's probably for me one of those which so. of, sorry which one was that uh, running, running, running is yeah. one of the, and, and skipping, all those high impact exercises, you can, but should you? Mm. So it work out where you fit in that continuum, I guess. So for example, if, if I've got a patient who's a long distance runner, you know, low BMI, they're not carrying extra weight, they don't have any pain, they don't have any pelvic floor issues, you know, we can assess their pelvic floor and if they tend to be a bit overactive in their pelvic floor, they're feeling fine, they probably can run, you know. Mm. If it's someone who you know, it doesn't really run, they do it a little bit, but they think it manages their weight, um, they're a bit higher in their BMI, they might have had a couple of vaginal births, you know, they're the ones I'm going to say, oh, is that really the kind of exercise you want to do? And I'll give them the, the pros and cons, I guess. But ultimately, I like to give them the pros and cons and my advice um, based on an assessment and then leave it with them. Hmm with something like running and obviously taking into consideration heat and all that sort of thing. Personally, I chose not to run um, and I'm a runner. I, I was going to say you are a runner. But for me, I just didn't want to put that much load through my pelvic floor, but I'm not going to say you can't run. Hmm. Um, I've certainly had patients I've suggested they don't run and then others I've said, knock yourself out, run, see how you feel. And, yeah. and um, teaching them what symptoms to look out for as well. So they might run for a little while and come back to me and say, oh, actually I did start to feel a little bit heavy in my pelvic floor or I am leaking a little bit or I just don't have the energy. So 
they can be aware of what symptoms to look out for as well. And I think that's important to give them the information so that they know what to be mindful of with their bodies. Yeah, and that self-awareness, but also, you know, you monitoring them, I think is is really important. Um, what about other, so you run some classes also for pregnancy as well as postpartum? Yeah, on and off. I, I mostly run postnatal classes at the moment, but I do run some pregnancy classes as well. Okay, we'll get into the postnatal classes in a minute. Um, yes. Do With any specific exercises when you're running them for women who are pregnant, do you focus on, um, so say the group classes, is there any focus on how people are breathing or adding pelvic floor into it? You cut out a little bit there, Laurie, but I, the I Skype think I problems. So, yeah, are you adding any breathing or pelvic floor work into the exercises? Yeah, absolutely. So I guess when it comes to a group situation, things like the running and the high-impact kind of exercises, I, I won't do them at all in a group situation. So that's all exercises I would only, um, you know, manage people with one-on-one. So in a group situation, I'm definitely, it's the first thing I focus on is teaching them breath awareness, how to uh, connect their breath with their core, making sure they've even got awareness of the movement of their pelvic floor, making sure they can contract, making sure they can relax, um, teaching them to be mindful of how to use their abdominal muscles during pregnancy, how to move, just all of those really basic things that I think are important for for life as women, you know, it's not just a pregnancy postnatal thing. It's it just happens to be a time where I think they need to suddenly be aware of it. Um, it's interesting when you talk to pregnant women, isn't it? Like they've just never paid any attention to their pelvic floor before. So I think it's just a really good time to get women and educate them in general about all of these things. And do you stick with Pilates type exercises, or are you doing weightlifting with them? Uh, I do a bit of both, yeah. So I have some girls that I'll do strength training with. So, um, yeah, lifting weights. Um, I'm not a big fan of doing heavy lifts and things like that. Again, that's probably another one on, like, running. To, you probably can, but should you? Um, and depends on how much experience someone's got with that sort of thing. But um, I have had girls that I've done um, weightlifting with, but... Again, just very mindful of um, being able to manage the intra-abdominal pressures and um, discussing the load that's going through, um, you know, the endopelvic fascia as well as their pelvic floor. So a lot of them do talk about pelvic floor, but I don't think they understand the whole connective tissue load and how to manage that. So that's quite interesting. I just feel like once you actually discuss it with them and talk about what's going on and the pros and cons and how to manage it, often they're the ones that will say, oh, you know what, actually I won't lift heavy. I'm going to go higher reps and drop my weight a little bit. So rather than just flat out saying, oh, I wouldn't do that, I think if we really talk through it with them and explain it, then they can come up with their own um, informed choice. I think the word heavy is really difficult because nobody's defined it or some people have tried to define it with a specific number. And I think, which I've talked about on the podcast before, that heavy is really individual. So, you know, one person's heavy squat is going to be someone else's less than warm up. So when we talk about restricting pregnant women with heavy weights, like you said, that experience plays a big role. And this popularity of weightlifting for women that has increased over the years, there are some women who are pregnant who are continuing to do weightlift weightlifting and um, things like CrossFit or F45, um, you know, and they're 
one rep max for a deadlift can be 120 kilos. Mm. Um, and so their kind of not heavy or lighter weights still might be 50, but to some people that they consider that heavy and then they still, rest- or they want to restrict them further. Um, and often they will just not listen <laughs> or they'll yeah. go, they'll go some- somewhere else. So yeah, it's really hard when, when we say heavy, I'm assuming you also mean what is heavy to that person. Yeah, that's exactly what I mean. Absolutely. So if we if we are about saying women who are wanting to lift heavy or what we think is heavy, they might do it anyway. So if we let them go, they're going to go and lift on their own, or they're going to go and lift with trainers who aren't um, experienced in in pelvic health. So I think we have to really work with these women that want to exercise in that way to make sure that. And I'm going to use the word safely. But I hate using the word safely to, but to make sure that they're not causing any problems to their pelvic floor and just educating them properly and supporting them to do it. And I think that's our role as a women's health physio we we need to be able to support the women to do what they want to do and it's for so many reasons I'm a massive advocate for mental health and I'm always promoting mental health on my social media platforms and for some women that's what keeps them sane I know Mm. for me people say oh you shouldn't run you've had multiple knee surgeries you've given birth blah 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 but I need to for my mental state you know Mm. so I think we have to consider those things as well as pelvic health when we're talking about this. And if technically it's it's as safe according to research and, um, you know, the World Health Organization, American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology, then we need to go with those guidelines and support women in training the way they want to. And I think the the exercise around mental health is growing in research now because it used to be more about the exercise and obesity which it still is but all the research being put in for mental health um, is just increasing and you know making sure that that's what we are promoting and instilling and trying to get our patients to continue with as well. Absolutely. And yeah. and it's so physically taxing being pregnant and being a new mom, as we both know. So I'm a massive fan of women strength training throughout their whole life, but particularly during pregnancy and the postnatal period, because we need to be physically strong to, to do everything that we need to do as pregnant women and as mothers. Yeah. So let's kind of fast forward to postpartum period. So when are you generally seeing women postpartum? Well, part of my job in clinic is seeing um, our patients after they've delivered. So I'm lucky. I get to see women through the whole spectrum, develop a really good relationship. So I'll see them, you know, either day one or day two post-delivery, which is great. So, um, uh, and again, it depends what I do with them. So if I walk in and it's a new mother that's in tears and having trouble breastfeeding or has had a traumatic birth, then what I do with them is very different to if I walk into a woman who's sitting upright, flowers, friends, eating, happy, feeding's going well, you know, wants to know about how to get a tummy back. Like it just totally depends. So for some women, if they're really struggling, I'm just going to teach them stress management skills and, um, you know, positions to feed in I'll go down that line of supporting breastfeeding and um and teach them how to how to self-care and how to use their breath to calm themselves down when their babies are, are crying for hours and hours I think that's priority initially um through to 
full spectrum, someone that's coping really well, then I'll go straight into, you know, breath core connection, um, perineal care, making sure they're resting and putting ice on their perineum, all those sorts of things. Or if it's post cesarean, supporting their scar and doing some gentle mobilization exercises, stretching, things like that. So, yeah, I love seeing women um, in hospital straight away. And then with the girls I work with in clinic, uh, again, I'm lucky we, we have an automatic six-week follow-up with them too. So I get to see them at six weeks. And um, I really like to put absolutely no stress on them. So in hospital I'll say, do you know what? If you don't do any of your exercises, I don't care. I mean, you know, I care, obviously. I care. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes it's just not a priority. and yeah, They know, have a hundred other things going on that they need to do. <laughs> The frustrating thing as a physio because you think, oh, I wish you could have done these things. But, you know, sometimes it just doesn't work out that way. So I'll say, you know, I get to see you at six weeks. So I'll just see where you're at then and we'll and we'll go from there. And, again, still some people might not be ready to to take on all of the things we can do as physios, but we'll, we'll just prioritise and see what their goals are from there. But in terms of exercise, if someone comes and they're very keen to start exercising, you know, again, it just depends. The first thing I'll ask is, what are your goals? Like, what what do you want to do? I'll often get asked, what should I do now exercise-wise? And my response will always be, what do you want to do? Hmm. Yep. That's then my job to get you back to that exercise. Is there anything so, that people say more often than not? Do you know, it's funny. Over There's so much influence with social media and the whole body image. But yeah. at the end of the day, I find with most women when they're talking to me they just want to feel good Hmm. you know they will throw out the token oh you know I want to get back into my baby weight but I don't know something happens as mothers doesn't it you just it's very stressful being a mother where we've got a massive mental load there's so much we're doing and I think that they just really want to feel good so part of that is I want you to tell me what that looks like for you is that, you know, I had someone last week saying, I need to get back to hula hooping. I was like, oh, cool, okay. <laughs> My hula hooping knowledge is a bit limited, but. <laughs> <laughs> You'll work it out. Hey, let's start some pelvic movement and we'll get the breath core connection going. So that was a different one. But, uh, you know, people will say Pilates, people will say running. And funnily enough, if they say running, I'll say, why do you want to run? Because often it's you know, well, running is what helps me lose weight. So we can sometimes say, well, can I give you some other options of how we can, you know, support you in some some weight loss rather than running straight away. So, um, gosh, lots of different things. I definitely get uh, the CrossFitters. So they'll often come to me before six weeks because, you know, CrossFitters, they're super keen. Um, and I think a few of them have cottoned on to the fact that I'm a physio that gets excited to see CrossFitters because I love supporting them back to that. It's It's they're compliant patients, you know, they'll do the work to get there and it's fantastic to be able to educate them. Um, So, and I think we're lucky as physios now because we're getting such a good evidence base of knowledge to to be able to screen who might be a high risk for pelvic floor dysfunction. So we know all the things like, you know, instrumental delivery over the maternal age, all of those things. Um, you know, we can look at GHPB measurements and there's just so much that we can base our clinical decisions on now and I, I just think that's fantastic compared to, I guess, years ago when I first graduated. It was a bit of, I don't know, I felt like it was a bit of a guess game. Yeah. But now it's, you know, it's not clear cut but we've got so much more that we can work with. 
So you're in the trenches running exercise classes as well for these women. Do the women that come to your classes, have you assessed all of them? Yes. Yes, so I assess everyone before they do a class with me, definitely. So when do they get to start doing that? Classes? Yeah. Uh, six weeks I'll take them from. Nice. Yeah. So I've got anything from six weeks to 12 months, which makes it challenging. Yeah. Um, that's one of the reasons I started doing my eight-week challenges at the gym that I'm working out of now because one of the biggest limitations I find as a physio teaching a group class is you just can't spend enough time with people. Um, but it's so much more efficient and financially viable for people. It is. That's yeah. right. And, and you want them to be training under you because there's so much we can do. And, you know, I hate sending someone off at six weeks after they've seen me and say, well, see how you go <laughs> because you don't know what their life looks like and whether they can come come back and it's not always because they don't want to come back and see you they just don't have the time to come in or they don't prioritize it but if they get into the routine of coming every week you can be talking to them every week about what's going on and as you're progressing their exercise program you can see how they're going um pelvic floor wise or you know with the diastasis or with back pain or with whatever but the classes I'm teaching now I've got the trainers actually instructing it so I can be walking around the room you know, spending 10 minutes with one person and then 10 minutes with another person and, you know, pop back after I've given them something to practice and see if that strategy is working better for them. It's, it's, it's been fantastic doing it that way and slowly progressing women from, you know, basic core exercises and making them more dynamic and suddenly getting them skipping and jumping and running and doing all those sorts of things. And it's, it's so empowering for them to see those changes and they feel, um, they feel really good about themselves, which is lovely. So what is the eight-week program? So it's for mothers, and I haven't put a time frame on in terms of how old their babies need to be or, or the other limit of, you know, I've actually got some mothers who have got kids who are sort of two, three, four, um, and I love working with them as well because they're often an age where their kids are getting a little bit more independent and they can actually put some time towards themselves now. So um, basically we've started, and I find with those women, you have to start them at the same level anyway as you would someone that's six weeks post-baby because if they've never done anything with themselves after having a baby, they've often got all the same issues. Um, So basically uh, we take 10 in a group and I'll assess them all um, just identify any issues that are going on, whether it's pelvic health issues or abdominal issues, diastasis, if they've got um, persistent back pains or anything like that going on. So full spectrum of anything that's going on with them in terms of what we can help with physio-wise. And then <clears throat> we've devised an eight-week um, program where they come three times a week and work with the trainers and I on the gym floor. Uh, and it's just it's just the basic exercise progression principles. So we start with teaching really basic body movement and mobility exercises. So what a good squat pattern looks like, body weight, what a what a plank and a push-up position looks like, and how to connect their breath with their pelvic floor, how to manage intra-abdominal pressures. 
um, all of those basics and then slowly progress them over the week. So they might start with some kettlebell squatting and eventually we get them under Olympic bars over the eight week, you know, if, if they're able to progress to that level. And most of them do. Um, we'll start to move from, you know, a basic step up to some of them end up doing box jumps. And I had a few of them at week six doing uh, skipping the other week and it's just like such a nice way for them to do it because they'll come up saying do you think I can do that so let's try let's just see what happens and to be able to be there with them and give them strategies if anything comes up um, and work with them straight away is fantastic because again if they're not with me and they go and try it they'll either stop and never really try it again and say well skipping makes me leak running makes me leak or mm whatever and never actually develop those strategies to get back into it and I'm such an advocate for women to be able to do everything they want to do you know we've got young families growing up you want to be able to jump on the trampoline with them and kick the footy with them and do all those things so I think there's a massive amount of women out there that are leaking that aren't getting help and you know we say the one in three women wet themselves it's got to be higher than that right it's for sure it's sedentary. They're not doing anything to stress themselves. This is what I've always said about stress incontinence and the statistics surrounding it is that the people who are saying that they don't leak may have never done any activity that would bring leaking on. So I think the stats are, yeah, like very high. You can see that there's avoidance. So they'll tick the box that they don't leak, but they'll also say, oh, yeah, but I don't do that <laughs> or I don't yeah. do this. Or they've just never done it. <laughs> Well, they've just never done it. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Exactly. So, yeah, it's fantastic. And it's such a great opportunity to educate trainers as well uh, and to teach them more about public health and to to get them more comfortable with using some terms as well. Like so, vagina? Vagina. That's right. Yeah, they they laugh at me here at the gym, but they're, they're all so good now with uh, women. So are these us. men and women? Yeah, both. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's been nice having some male trainers actually because I think the more uh, the women see me with these male trainers and having that pretty direct dialogue, they realise that it's okay to talk about it as well. So I think if you can be the one out there saying vagina at the gym, then um, it makes it a safe place, you know, and it's, it's lovely then. Yeah, so yeah. the trainers are very receptive to the information. Are they asking you questions or do you go and go, okay, you need to hear this? Are you, you know, running any little education sessions oh. for them? Yeah, well, I have. That's how it started actually because um, it, I'm at the gym that I've always trained at and they, I think, I think a few exercises they were doing at one point when I was training myself, I'd say, oh, I don't know if I can do that. That doesn't feel good on my pelvic floor or um, – you know, and so they'd start asking me questions and, you know, the owner said to me one day, you know, could you run an in-service for all the trainers? I said, yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, an in-service that was supposed to go for 45 minutes just went on and on and on because they they realised how much knowledge they were missing, you know. We're 50% yeah. of the population, aren't we? So half their gym are women with, with all sorts of possibly issues going on and um, I think they felt better knowing about it and um you know i had been wanting to start classes again but I just like I said before I just feel so limited teaching a class on my own I, I really don't like doing that I just I don't know I think I think you just miss too much when you've got a group of people in front of you I like having someone else there with me so I can be spending more one-on-one -on -one time with people yeah but um 
yeah, so we designed this program together and um, I'll talk more about how to breathe and how to, you know, using strategies for skipping and all that sort of stuff um, to prevent problems and just making the, everyone aware of what pelvic floor dysfunction looks like too. So, you know, some of the girls will, will be fine. They'll, they'll start deadlifting heavier weights and then they'll say to me, so would I know if anything's going on? What should I be looking for? And it's so nice to be having that conversation on the gym floor between sets as they're doing things because they're, they're listening, they're doing it and it's, it's going in and they're not just sitting with you in clinic where mm. you know, between clinic and the gym floor a lot has been lost it's just not in their brain but if yeah. you're with them there it's great and I mean who's got you know who's got hundreds of kilos of weights in their clinic <laughs> and that was the other thing I thought so we don't have much equipment in, in clinic to be able to do this thing so to be able to take them on the gym floor is fantastic yeah so do you also write or give them home programs as well not necessarily just the people in your eight-week classes but if people um yeah, can't come to that eight-week class or, yeah, are you doing home programs too? Yeah, definitely. And for some women it's too hard to get out. Again, it depends on what their babies are like. So, you know, I, I trained a lot at home when I had little babies because I just didn't want to wake them up. Sleep was so important to me. So I definitely write programs for them at home. Um, and don't you yeah. have something online? Do you still have something online? <laughs> yeah, I do. I've got programs online. So I've got pregnancy and um postnatal programs which yeah out there so they're um combination of pilates and and little sort of 15 to 20 minute um weights training programs so again it's just teaching um the basics so just basic squats and push-ups and split squats and all those basic movement patterns because i just find when i get women even coming in and doing pilates classes with me just watching the way people move and their movement strategies um, quite interesting that people just can't um, they can't move from a, a plank to a down dog they can't squat well and and I think that's just so important because it's a time when you're a mother where you're up and down off the floor you're getting kids in and out of cars in and out of cots and you know I like to use the term movement literacy like we need to have really good um, variety of movement patterns and I think that's really important to explore with mothers and get them doing lots of movements we spend a lot of time doing a lot of um you know yoga flows and different movement techniques before we even start training and i've got that with my online programs too i liked the combination of doing some yoga Pilates kind of exercises as well as some strength training exercises so yeah they're progressive programs so there's a pregnancy one and there's um three phases of postnatal ones so if women want to keep progressing on they can so it starts from the basics of really basic squat patterns and as the programs progress on we might go from step ups to squat jumps and um, box jumps and things like that and I'm constantly you know it's harder obviously online because I'm not with them but always um, you know whenever there's progressions talking about if you've got pain if you've got pelvic floor heaviness if you've got leakage then you know we need to stop here and this is where you might need to go and see women's health physio and just get some advice on and how to progress and strategies to be able to do these things um, and really encourage them this doesn't mean you can never do this again but this is just a sign that there's something going on and we can find ways to get you doing them again but it might not be today and is uh, there like a cardiovascular component within 
both your programs, the online and the eight-week? Like they're not just yeah, doing weights? Yeah, for both of them. So for both of um, the online programs and the challenges, I've pretty much tried to stick within the – so the World Health Organization um, advocate 150 minutes of aerobic exercise per week spread out over the week and two strength training sessions. So we're basically trying to hit that, and I've done that with um, the online programs as well. So combining some kind of circuit-type exercises with even just some walking, like getting bub in a pram and going out walking because I just think getting outdoors is so important as a new mother as well. You need to get out, get some sunlight, <laughs> get some vitamin D, get into nature. Again, that's my whole mental health side of it. I just really like to advocate that mental wellness and getting outside and, you know, sometimes it's best to do that when your baby's unsettled too, isn't it? Rather than mm. trying to be at home on your own, four walls, wondering why your baby won't sleep, pop them in a pram and just go for a walk. Um, you know, get some endorphins pumping and, and, yeah, I think it's so important. And your online program is also has a nutrition component too, doesn't it? Yes, yes. So I've got a dietitian that I worked with. So I find there's so much um, – there's so many fads out there in terms of diet and, you know, it's out of my scope. I'm very interested in nutrition and um, but I just wanted to have a dietitian come on board and to be able to, between us, we came up with um, just easy foods and easy meals that can support women, um, particularly if they're breastfeeding or just even in terms of healing post-baby, um, making sure they're getting enough nutrient-dense because the biggest thing to see with women with food is, um, you know, they're busy. They don't have time to meal prep and they're grabbing quick sugary snacks. And, you know, we know that's not good for them, again, in terms of mental health. It's not good for them in terms of, of healing. Um, and to get that full wellness in, in us, we need to have the whole physical side exercise. We need our nutrition to be right. We need to be getting good sleep, which is hard as a mother. Um we need to be doing restorative exercise, uh, all of that. So I just really like to try and pull it all together. And I do the same in the eight-week challenge too. So I've got a dietitian that speaks to the girls about um, uh, food and how to how to meal prep as a mother for the family because the mother's often the, you know, we're the CEOs of the family. So it does tend to fall on us, not always. I don't like to stereotype, but... Quite often it does, particularly if we're the ones at home on maternity leave. You know, we're, we're sort of the ones controlling all of that. So if we can be um, role models for healthy living for our families, I think we're putting our kids off to a really good start. So now I am not a very big business kind of physio. Um, I am curious as to, because there's a lot of promotion and marketing around a lot of online programs. And I know when you first came out with your program, I'd seen and heard bits of it, but I haven't seen a lot. So are you not, are you not marketing this or promoting it very much? I'm too busy, Laurie. (laughs) I know. Look, it's funny because I, I don't mind that because then it's not in your face. But then that's part of me when, you know what, she's got this amazing online program and I don't know how many people know about it. And that's yeah. why I was like, okay, I want to talk about it in the podcast too so that people are aware that yeah. that is there. I know. It's just so hard. I mean, yeah, that's probably my biggest downfall. <laughs> it's not a downfall. Well, I mean, it's, it doesn't clinic and I'm doing my programs at the gym and I've got online programs and it's you know it's always a a business owner's 
hardest thing to be able to actually work on any kind of business stuff when you're not in front of patients all day. So, and I'm, uh, it's important to me that when I'm not working, I'm present with my kids and I'm spending time with my kids. So I just, I'm really cautious about not overworking. I just think that's a big priority for me in my life. So I like to get that balance between working and, and I'm not a big pusher of marketing. I'm, I'm on social media all the time, more promoting um, healthy living and things like that, mental health in women, because I think that's really important on social media. There's so much other rubbish out there that um, I like to do that. But I, I'll never push someone into doing any of my classes or programs if they want to do it, great. And I'll support them. Um, but I, I just don't like pushing things. Well, I know that people don't mean to be pushy online, but I just do think that there's over-promotion of a lot of things. But then there's those of us who, you know, under-promote. And, and particularly when, you know, it's something that's probably really good quality um, and really helpful. So hopefully more people will find out that, again, if, they, if they're not in the area where your classes are run, that they'll still be able to get some good information online as well. Yeah. I'm actually taking a week off in a couple of weeks so I can do a little bit of business planning. So that will be on my list, Laurie. Oh, good. So are you going to do some more online stuff or what, can no, you just, tell us? Just promoting it. Oh, <laughs> oh good. I've done the hard part. I've put it together. I just need to get it out there. Yeah. Um, is there, if we kind of leave people with some specific tips, say in postpartum exercises when you're running them, if you are trying to get somebody back into impact activities, is there any kind of progression that you tend to go through, even though everyone's individual, if somebody wants to start running and they haven't ran in a long time and they're not having any pelvic floor issues, but maybe they still have a bit of pelvic floor weakness or a little bit of anterior vaginal wall descent, is there kind of some progression system that you go through? Yeah, well, I think you're using the right word, progression, and I think sometimes that's maybe where our patients get a bit lost between the acute physio care and um, fitness professionals, right? I think we forget how to use our uh, exercise physiology concepts to progress someone. Um, and it's funny, if I'm ever working with trainers, I think they have trouble with regressing exercises and I think physios have trouble in general progressing exercises so it's that in-between section but for a new mum you know it's always for me I think mobility is a really important thing to start with so your body has changed so much with pregnancy and I think getting back into either lifting heavy weights you need to have good mobility to move through range I think the same thing with running if you're you know if you're a proper runner you need to have you know, good movement through your hip flexors, you need to be strong in your glutes. So I think mobility is important. I think developing a really general base of strength training is important for women. So if they want to run, I'll get them doing stretching, I'll get them doing um, some squats and some split squats and things like that, progress that through to doing um, step-ups, then obviously move from you know, low speed exercise to higher speed. So I'll get them doing, um, you know, step ups a lot quicker. Then we might add, you know, some jump component in there, always talking about how to keep that breath pelvic floor connection. I find some girls, well, a lot of women actually I should stop saying girls, women, a lot of women, um, 
you know, we can lie them down on the floor and practice that nice breath and pelvic floor connection, but, and they might be fine getting in them into a basic movement, like a basic squat. But as soon as we start to add speed um, or load, it goes out the window and they go back to their old breath hold strategy. And that's when the whole system fails. So I think it's watching them move through that progression. That's the key. Um, and I'll do that in clinic with patients too. So I'll, you know, I might even take them outside and start doing some, you know, short runs and just see how they go. Or I might get them doing some box jumps or some split squat jumps and things like that and see how they go and just make sure they're not going back to a, you know, gripping through the chest, um, overactive in the abs kind of strategy, which might cause them to leak. Um, so when might- you talk about like a pelvic floor breath connection for running, what are you talking about? What do you mean? Just, and I'm saying this because I will have some um, professional, health professionals, fitness professionals, physios, who if they're trying to guide somebody back to running and they've decided instead of telling them to avoid running, they said, well, you can run, but just hold your pelvic floor on while you're running, which I don't really think that's how it works. <laughs> so do you get people just to grip their pelvic floor and hold it for 30 minutes? You also can't hold your pelvic floor. If you, if you ever run a half marathon and tried to hold your pelvic floor the whole time, like, <laughs> you just physically can't do yeah. it. So, oh, again, it just depends, you know. You need to have some form of um, tone to be able to run that distance without having any problems. If you don't have a good base level of pelvic floor tone, then especially over that kind of distance, then yeah. you're going to fatigue and that's when you'll start, you know, people might start feeling symptoms 16, 17, 18 Ks in. So you would know as a public floor physio how I would treat that as opposed to a 5K runner who's maybe overactive. It's just different for everyone. Yeah. So it's a really hard question to answer, isn't it? But it's making sure they've got that awareness of their pelvic floor and breath moving together. Yeah. Um, and, you know, as you start running, if pelvic floor is functioning properly, it will lift up higher. It's, it's a it's a reactive um strategy that our pelvic floor does it's then if you keep running and you can actually start to be aware that you're feeling that it's dropping and you're getting symptoms then maybe we need to work on that pelvic floor endurance and tone Hmm. they're an overactive runner who's very tight in their abs and tight in their pelvic floor then we try to look at relaxing their breath so we might get them focusing more on their breathing and relaxing down their abs as they're running. And just little things like looking at their technique, like are they a really heavy runner or are they are they more an upright runner rather than, you know, leaning forward slightly? If they've got their um, thorax over their pelvis properly, just little things like that. So quite often comes down to technique. So it may not even be a pelvic floor issue as such. It might be a technique, might be a, a you know, that's where you might need to get a running coach involved or, mm. um, you know, if you're a physio that doesn't know how to do double unders, then you might need to, you know, get someone in who can actually teach that. So it's not always necessarily pelvic floor. And I think I found that too when I was trying to get back into doing double unders. I had to really work on Technique, technique is huge. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, so. And not necessarily alignment, which is kind of starting to be a bit of a funny term because um, yeah. it's being overused and kind of misunderstood um, yeah. or it's just not as important as we thought it was. Yeah. But yeah. just yeah. that technique, if you are over-gripping or bracing, then you might be increasing your pressure. Or if you're trying to squeeze your pelvic floor so hard – in order to control leaking and double unders, it tends to make things worse. Yeah. It does. Yeah, absolutely. 
So are you also using um, other tools like pessaries? Yes, yes. So I, yeah, I personally will. So, sorry, um, you mean yeah. personally with your patients, or do you read with you? <laughs> personally with my patients. Okay, I'm like, well, thank you. I have used them as well yes. to lift heavy weights. It's Thanks for sharing. My life, I'll be open with that. Um, which I like to tell my patients too. Yeah. It normalizes it, and yeah. I've said that on social media too, so I won't hide that. Um, yeah, I will. So if I assess someone, especially you know, especially if they're early postnatally and they've got a lot of room to move with their pelvic floor, if they've got avulsions or if they're, you know, if they fall into that higher risk of prolapse, if they've had, um, you know, instrumental deliveries and their pelvic floor's weak, any of those risk factors that we know, if they've had big babies, all of that, we might, and and they're keen to get straight back into their exercise, then yeah, I'll get them using um, pessaries for training too. So it's, it's a great tool to have in terms of exercise. Yeah. Um, and anything else that you want to add on pregnancy or postnatal exercise? I just think the key is getting women doing what they love. I just think that's the most important thing um, to wellness. I think, you know, being a mother, there's so many changes um, in terms of identity. You know, we don't know what's ahead when we fall pregnant. So I think keeping them aligned with their values and the things that make them happy are really important and keeping them feeling connected to the community. And that's where exercise classes can be really important as well. And I definitely find that with my my mum's classes. It's, it's better than um, a, just a traditional mother's group, I think, because it's women that are coming with a love of exercise who are finding other women who have the same uh, love of exercise and they can bond over that and it's it's people turning up with babies crying and they're like oh yes that was me last night too and I just think that shared experience is so important as a mother too so I think finding the things that women love and as physios it's our job to support them to be able to do that. I th- and I love how you have organized uh, not just your work-life balance, but your ability to, like I said, be in the trenches and actually teaching these fitness classes as well as being, you know, doing the clinical work. So how do you, how would you recommend, because I, phys- I think physios are not doing that enough or possibly not at all. Um, that they're just kind of sitting in their clinic doing their clinic work is there a way or ideas that you could get people like should they go to their gym and say hey I'm interested in teaching some classes or how can we kind of get into that avenue a bit more if they have the background I've thought about that a lot Uh, I mean it obviously helps having an exercise physiology background Mm -hmm. and I I just love sport and exercise in general so it's it's kind of a no-brainer for me it doesn't feel like work I love what I do but I think when even if you're not someone that's interested in teaching classes I think physios in general probably if we want to have more control over that domain which we should so I'm pro fitness trainers and that as well but um but it's, a lot of it's in our background. And like you said, a lot of physios have done human movements or human kinetics or exercise yeah, physiology okay. beforehand, and then we stop using it. Yeah, and I think we have to understand more of their world. So, we, you know, if a patient's coming in and they're telling you they're having problems doing war balls, you know, you need to know what a war ball is and how to break that down and work out where they might be having problems with those exercises. And, I mean, the same goes for even uh, treating 
persistent pain. Like I've got some girls that have got, you know, a history of persistent pain in my classes and they'll do a kettlebell swing and they and they get pain. And, of course, the trainers are all telling them, oh, you've got a brace, you've got a brace. And if I watch them do a kettlebell swing, they are way over bracing. You can't do a kettlebell swing locked on like that. So, you know, being able to have an understanding of some of those movements and what it involves and then being able to teach them how to do it correctly and send them back to the gym, it's great. But we need to have that understanding of what so many different types of exercises look like. Yeah. And for some people, it's probably just a time issue as physio too. It's so hard, isn't it? There's, there's so much information out there. I've always got an inbox full of things I want to read and I end up deleting half of them because I just don't have time. Um, but, um, and, you know, maybe even just networking and getting to know gyms in your area so you can develop that relationship between um, the trainers and let them know what you do. And, and I think, you know, relationships like that are very important. I, I know quite a lot of um, – Fit pros, I guess, and and we've got that good relationship now because I mean I can't teach classes all day. I don't have time to with my clinic work too. So to to know that I'm sending some of my patients to other classes and we're on the same page with things, and they'll refer back to me if if they're concerned about anything, and I'll send them back when I know they're ready, or you know I might send them back straight away and just teach them what strategies they need to work with. Um, but it's developing that relationship, I think. Yeah. So where can people find more about you and your online programs? So um, I'm on Facebook and Instagram as Yummy Mummy Physio and my website, so www.yummymummyphysio.com.au and my online programs are on my website. Thank you. And are you on Twitter? Yeah. Uh, I am on, well, I'm technically on Twitter, but I don't use it. Oh, see, I go back and forth. I'm, I'm, you know, one day it's Twitter, one day it might be Instagram. Depends if I want to read or look. I've got to decide. Yes, definitely. And then my eight-week programs are at Perform360 at Inogra in Brisbane. So, yes, but you can contact me through any of those um, platforms. Yeah. Um, Inogra, that's, yes, that's still the north, north side. North side. Yep, <laughs> I didn't make it there that day when I found it where it was. I'm like, damn it, it's not 10 minutes from my house. <laughs> One day I will do it. Okay, yes, we'll train together. Oh, thank you so much for giving me your time. And, I yeah, I loved everything that you said. And like I said, I just love how you have integrated both worlds, and I hope that more people will do that as well. Uh, thank you for having me Laurie it's been lovely thanks again everybody for listening I am on social media at times if you want to follow me my twitter is at Laurie Forner I have an Instagram account which is at Pelvic Wad so P-E-L-V-I-C-W-O-D and I try not to be on Facebook very much but I hope you guys enjoy the episode and I will catch you later